Hi guys, my name is Yoki Bello. If you guys haven't heard of me, I'm a podcaster that wants to inform people about Nigerian history one podcast at a time. Remember to follow me if you haven't, and please spread my podcast on social media sites so more people can learn about Nigerian history. I'll leave a rating below to let me know how I'm doing. I'm so sorry I wasn't able to upload last Wednesday. I had terrible strep throat. What I'll be doing now is I'll be adding back up episodes anytime I'm sick. For clarification, I had some people ask me if this show is just talking about Nigerian kingdoms and formations. This show will be talking about all forms of Nigerian history, like food, traditions, and many more, so stay tuned. Today's fun fact is that there are about 200 Nollywood movies produced every week. If you guys don't know what Nollywood is, it's basically the Nigerian version of Hollywood and Bollywood. We'll be talking more about it in later seasons. In this episode, I decided to talk about the Oya Kingdom. The Oya Kingdom was a was a kingdom formed in southwestern Nigeria, in present-day Yoruba State, north of Lagos. The kingdom was formed in 1300 CE, and is still present as Yoruba land. The origins of the Oya Kingdom is not exactly known, but there's some myth- there's some mythical theories that it was the empire of um of the religious center of the world. And many Yoruba believe that Ife, I mean that Oye, was the site where mankind was first created. In the early 16th century, Oyo was the first minor state, which led little power against its northern neighbors. The state, the state was led by Oyenia, the founder king, or first Alifin of Oyo. He gained his position based on a strong reputation as a military leader who waged an excursion heading towards the northeast. He was stopped by the empires of Bogu and Nupe before settling at a site known as Ajake. Oyo's early attempts at expansion were meant for resistance, accumulating, accumulating Oyo to be conquered by its neighboring enemy Nupe around 1550. When conquered by Nupe, the king Alafin of Oyo and his senior chief sought refuge in Bogu, but they soon returned to Oyo. The Oyo territory became an encompass of a real mix of a real mix of environments such as rainforest, dry forest, savannas, and mangrove swamps. The Oyo benefited most from the savanna regions, which facilitated easy movements and trade contacts with neighboring states. As with the states which prospered throughout the second millennium CE in the region, the Oyo Empire ex- exploited local resources such as okra, yams, dates, palm oil, and fish. Iron technology permitted the production of iron tools and weapons, while traded goods included kola nuts, pepper, ivory, gold, and slaves. Imported goods included horses and goods from the Mediterranean, which had crossed the Sahara via camels, and then traveled southwards across the savanna belt down the Niger River, and by the 18th century CE, half of the slaves taken from Africa came from southern coast of West Africa, and the area controlled by the Oyo Empire, caused, and the area controlled by the Oyo Empire, the Kingdom of Dahomey, and the Kingdom of Benin. They took so many slaves that it became widely known as simply the Slave Coast or the Gold Coast. There were two main reasons why slaves why the slave trade centered here. 
Firstly, it was one of the most densely populated areas of Africa, reachable by the Europeans. And secondly, the oil empire provided an even greater extent that, than the Kingdom of Dahomey, and provided the necessary, necessary command infrastructures to organize the movement of slaves from the interior to the coast. In return, the oil received European goods which they used, which they could use themselves or trade with neighboring states. Despite an oral tradition that minimizes the oil's involvement in the slave trade, the oil empire certainly used slaves within its own state structures. Many officials in the administration and military, for example, were of slave origin, much more so than in other states of the region. The power of oil began to grow by the second half of the century. With Alafid or Oropoto began using this wealth derived from the slave to derived from the trade to establish a cavalry force and maintain a trained army. In addition to military expansion, the oil empire expanded based on its convenient trade location and its ability to manipulate the markets. Located just south of the Middle Niger River, the oil empire was a prime position for which for which it controlled the prominent West African trade routes of Hawusaland, Gao, Timbuktu, and Jian, and flood those areas with a significant amounts of oil textiles that were always a precious commodity, as well as iron goods. Dalifen was the sole voice of authority, but was unable to exercise complete and unquestioned power. His authority was curbed by the various political institutions of Oyo, particularly the Oyomeshi. The Alafin, before making political decisions, was required to consult first with the Oyomeshi, which was composed of heads of several non-royal wards in the city. They guided the king in many important matters including military actions and religious festivals. Among the Oyomeshi was its leader, the Bashurun, which exercised the most control in many ways and rivaled the power of the Alafin himself. For example, the Bashurun served as the commander-in-chief of the army and, or and orchestrated many religious festivals, positions and positions which granted both which granted him both military and religious authority above the king. The chief among the responsibilities of the Bashurun was the management of all important festivals, uh, festivals of Urun. This festival would figure prominently in the rise of the Oyomeshi over the Alafin, as in the 18th century CE, the Oyomeshi acquired the power to dispose the Alafin by forcing him to commit suicide during the festival of Urun. Another limitation of the of the authority of the Lafine was a large number of ritual restrictions that accompanied the position. For instance, he could not leave the palace except for important festivals, a fact which severely curtailed his ability to implement his authority outside the palace walls. Like many political figures throughout history, the Alafine of Oyo was threatened by individuals vying for his throne. Most prominent among the challengers for this position was the crown prince, or the Aremo, who did not suffer under the rituals hindering the movements of Alephine and was allowed to leave the palace. This led the Nigerian historian Samuel Johnson to observe, the father is the king of the palace and the son the king of the general public. 
Often, the Arido say that seeing the existing Alephine as a roadblock to power would take steps to bring out the demise of the Alephine and secure the throne for himself. In addition, the political structures that elected Alephine to power proved detrimental to his political authority. Of the three royal war, ro, of the three royal wards, the king chosen from from the Ona Ishukun Road. This proper this favoritism showed to the Ona Ishukun Ward often left the two other royal wards with little incentive to assist the king. Although the Oyo did not form any large towns to note, rulers were able to forge a small empire thanks to their fierce of cavalry and archers, both as a result to their commercial tech. Uh, ten, ten, uh, ten towels re- reaching as far north as the Trans-Saharan trade routes. The kingdom expanded to include areas of the southwest and in the savannah to the north, and it acquired territory from its neighbors like the Boryu, Borgu, and Nopi states. Though Nopi did conquer the old Oye around 1535 CE and held onto it until the Oyo kings regained it around 1610 CE. Both the Oyu, the Oyu in the south and the Ide in the southeast became vassal states of Oyu as the empire reached its peak from the first half of the 17th century CE, eventually conquering, conquering 13 rival kingdoms. The king, the king was regarded as a representative of the spirit world. As such, he was required to devote himself to worship the Orishia. His position as a divine ruler was solidified through his various rituals and religious festivals. He was spiritually guided as the chief priest, sometimes referred to as the Babalawu. Babalawu, Baba, which means father, and Awu is oracle, through which can be seen as vision for the individual or the nation. In this regard, Baba actually means grand and not father. <coughs> While the chief priest was not required to belong to the king's council, he was the beck and call of the king, and he could be summoned at any time to provide spiritual advice. Babalawu was the thought was thought to be in direct communication with spirits, and his, and his advice was weighted with divine knowledge. The motive for this territorial expansion was to gain control of lucrative regional trade routes along with salt, gold, slaves, which were transported. This was a particularly true. This was particularly true to the coastal areas, which had a long-standing trade relationship with European sailing vessels. The Oyo did not have anything their own way. However, as groups like the Ijashe inhabited forested areas, the Oyo cavalry could not be used effectively, and dangerous TSA flies were present. The same was true to the Ikete, for, to the Ikete. Who, could, who dwelled in the hills bordering the far northern stretch of Oyo's lands. The kingdom of Benin was in the east and was another formidable block to Oyo's ambitions. Interestingly, the Oyo took cultural ideas, not just land, from its rivals, notably adopting the prominent ancestor worship of the Dupe into their own religious practices. The Oyo Empire might have achieved, might have achieved regional dominance, but a much bigger power was slowly moving itself into the far position of the north. The 18th century CE had already seen expansion of northern Islamic states, which had embarked a holy war to spread the faith. 
These invasions reaching further south by the 19th century CE caused severe disruptions of Hoyo Strait and highlighted the inherent weakness of the Hoyo political setup. The Hoyo king, the Alafid, had already been in conflict with both the state ruling council of elders, the Hoyo Meshi, and the military leaders, the Barashu. There was, constant friction, there was constant friction throughout the 18th century CE between those who wanted peaceful trade and those who favored military expansion. This situation was this situation and the loss of control of vassal states meant that Oyo Empire was really a house of cards waiting for the winds of waiting for the winds of change. The storm dust really came in in the 1820s CE in the form of militant Muslim Fulani and ultimately the northern part of the Oyo Empire which was conquered and became the Fuli Empire, an outpost of the great Sokoto Calafia. The result of this loss was a domino effect that saw oil empire breaking up into smaller states, which led into further competition and welfare between them. The consequences of this political decline for the Yoba people was catastrophic as they, largely, as they had largely avoided being made up slaves and being made up slaves to that point but they were now far but they were now by far the majority of those captured and shipped to the americas until the slave trade entered in the in the 1850s the area of what is today known as the state of nigeria became a british colony in 1861 and in 19 and in 1900 it was the north and south nigeria the two the two states joined in 1914 and became a federation in 1954, which finally gained independence in 1960 CE. This is all for episode 8. If you guys want to know my resources, email me at rakeemadu.gmail.com. Or if you guys have any questions or anything you guys want to ask me, just email me at rakeemadu.gmail.com. R-A-Q-I-B-A-D-I-O at gmail.com. This is all for the episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. And it's time to tune out. And it's time to tune out. Peace.